This is your last chance to enter the Ohio Lottery's Fun Turns 50 promotion. Score $3,500 in two tickets to the epic party at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, where you could win part of another $400,000 in cash prizes. Enter the new 50th anniversary scratch-off or $50 worth of eligible non-winning $5 or $10 scratch-offs and my lotto rewards through the Ohio Lottery app. Hurry up. The last entry deadline is May 13th. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Have you ever wondered what it's like to bite into nerds' gummy clusters? They're fruity. They're tangy. They're gummy. And they're crunchy. Nerds Gummy Clusters, a union of fruity sweet gummy and tangy crunchy nerds. Unleash your senses. Shop now at nerdscandy.com. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hello and welcome to One More Life, the gaming podcast from Radiotimes.com. I'm your host, Rob Lean, and each week I'll be joined by a new guest to learn about their life with gaming. This week's guest is none other than John Saavedra, the editor-in-chief of Den of Geek. John and I used to work together on a Den of Geek website, and we really bonded over our shared loves of football, gaming, and Star Wars. John, or Johnny Savs, as I like to call him, is based in New York, and we've actually kept in touch very intensely since we stopped working together. Uh, I probably messaged him more than I messaged my wife, with about 90% of those messages being about Star Wars. In this conversation, which actually, even though I've known him for years, only the second time we've spoken with voices rather than with text, John talked us through his life in gaming, and especially his obsession with Star Wars games. So, let's activate the hyperdrive and load up that conversation. John, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, how are you doing today? Good. It's such a pleasure. <laughs> thank you so much for having me on. Obviously, I know some of the... Th- well, I've got some ideas of things I think you might mention later, but I like to, you know, start as far back as possible in a person's gaming and life. What was like your very first memory of, of gaming, of playing a game? It probably was when I was like three or four. My dad is in IT, so he's always been around computers and technology. Um, and he had this old, dusty Commodore 64 computer. Um, and I can't tell you for the life of me what I was playing on it, but it was probably my first experience. And the first time I became aware of like really playing video games and what they were and, you know, consoles specifically was uh, my brother-in-law, Al. He had a PlayStation 1 and it was like the first time. And, you know, I started playing tons of sports games. I was a very sporty kid. So loved, you know, obviously soccer and basketball and football, all the sports. I was very into them, loved playing them. So finding out that you could play like as the professional teams um, on a console was, you know, life changing for me. That probably was like five years old. So probably my first game that I really remember was probably an NBA Live uh, 97, 98, um, I would have been six or seven years old, probably. There are, you know, older relatives and stuff who were, or friends who were just absolutely rinsing you during those early gaming experiences. Because that's my memory. I've got two older brothers and like FIFA is one of the first games I remember playing. And it was just like, just purely being just <laughs> thrashed over and over again. No, I was born a master of FIFA. So I've never had to struggle in that sense. You know, I'm amazing at FIFA. I'm kidding. I'm terrible. <laughs> my brother-in-law was cool in the sense that 
you know, he taught me all about video games and all these cool different types of genres and things like that. But he never really took it easy on me. So, you know, playing NBA Live, he would demolish me um, with like football. It would be like, oh, I'd be like fourth down, like hadn't gotten, you know, I was terrible at it. I would be trying to kick a field goal from like my 20 yard line because I didn't want to like, I wanted to try to score and like not let the game, you know, the the, the ball go. Um, so no, I, I absolutely got punished in sports games. Um, <laughs> so thank you, Al. Thank you, Al. I appreciate that. Um, but uh, it didn't, it didn't dissuade me from playing video games. It just made me want to play them more. Like I very much have that sort of like gut thing that I want to win. I want to get better at it. Um, and there's certain genres that I will never be good at. And I'm sure we'll get into that because I do have like <laughs> one part, like one particular genre that I will just, I'm just absolute trash at. But yeah, he, he didn't take it easy on me. It's a circle of life, isn't it? And I was like, you, you, <laughs> yeah. awake, you, you awakened a memory in me there when you said about trying to score a field goal from like silly distance away. I remember there was a rugby game and I, I even to this day, I have quite a loose understanding of, of rugby. But I remember trying to do the same thing. If like, I'm never going to get up the other end for a try, but what if I just try and like kick it from here all the way? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's exactly me. It would be like on my own goal line, I would try <laughs> to go for it. Or like, you know, like punt fakes, which like rarely work in Madden or, you know, field goal fakes. Like it's just at that point, I mean, I don't know if you watched, you know, real life football, but they rarely do those things. But I would just absolutely try to fake out my brother-in-law and he would Obviously, he wasn't fooled because I did it every single time. <laughs> so, yeah, completely understand. And because I know I want to talk to you about Star Wars in particular, and I don't think I don't think we've had this conversation before. What's like your earliest Star Wars memory? Do you remember like the first time you saw it and like what your intro to it was? Again, my brother and my sister took me to see the Star Wars special edition in theater. So that would have been 97, 96, 97. I forget when those special editions hit theaters. Um, so it was A New Hope. That was the very first time. But I remember even before then, like my, I feel like Star Wars has been a part of my life always. Like, I just feel like I was born knowing Star Wars, you know? Um, well, you know, I talk to you about, about it incessantly every day, all day. But I want to say it was probably watching it. We have a, we have a channel called the USA Network here and they do tons of, they did used to do tons of reruns and, 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 you know, syndication. And they played them all the time there. But I want to say it was like the theatrical versions, like the original ones before they got remastered by by Lucas. So it's probably the first time that I really remember that theater experience with my sister and my brother-in-law. And then the first one I watched, like a new release, was probably 2002 Attack of the Clones. We were like the last ones in the theater. So I watched it from the first row, like really up close, just watching, <laughs> you know, and it was the best movie I'd ever seen in my entire life. At age 11. So I have a soft spot for that film. And it still is the, your favorite film of all time, right? You, it you is still it my, yes, yes. It is still my favorite Star Wars. It is, it's not, it's not, it's not. <laughs> From that kind of early era of you for gaming, is there any like retro or older games that you're still kind of itching to kind of make a comeback or to get like a remake or anything from like your early days? Yes, I have a couple. Um, and just so everyone knows, like I have copious notes I took for this. So I, <laughs> nice, I did nice. write some picks down. Uh, so for me, Rogue Squadron, if we're going to keep it Star Wars for a second, um, Factor Five's amazing. It's not really a flight simulator. It's more of a third person shooter. Um, so you could switch into the first person within the cockpit. But I must have played Rogue Squadron, Rogue Leader on the Nintendo GameCube. Like it was one of the launch titles for that console in the early 2000s. And I must have played that game for for years like sometimes i'll still dig out 
my Nintendo GameCube to play that game. That first Death Star attack level, if you remember that trench run, it was the first time I'd ever done that. Um, obviously, there's t- there have been tons of X-Wing and TIE Fighter games, but that was mine. So that's one. You know, Factor 5 I don't think exists anymore, but that's very much one that I would love. I know Squadrons came out, but that was first person. It's not exactly what I want. Like, I would love a game that, you know, it's 20 levels of just different sections of Star Wars movies, again, just modernized. And, you know, Battlefront has that a little bit. It's just not the same. It's just not the same the way it used to be on the GameCube. Um, so that's one. And then yeah, uh, there was this there was a sports game on the Sega Genesis. Um, I was a Genesis kid. I was not a Nintendo kid. It was called Mutant League Football. I'm sure you ever played that. It was a post-apocalyptic football game. Um, where you could play as alien skeletons, uh, robots, trolls, superhumans. And it was just like the grittiest football game. Like you could like murder the ref. You could bribe the ref. <laughs> like it was insane. Um, I think they did actually remake. They did. They didn't remake it, but they did like a spiritual successor called Mutant Football League. I believe I've not tried it, but I loved that game when I was a kid. And my brother-in-law used to destroy me in that too. So, you know, <laughs> nice, it, was, nice. it, was, it was great. And then finally, you're gonna you're gonna like this one. The specific era of EA James Bond games that started with Agent mm-hmm. Under Fire, Agent Under Fire, Nightfire, um, and Everything or Nothing. I'd love to see a. I would just love to see any Bond games. I believe IO Interactive is working on one. The Hitman team, I believe that's the Hitman team. But those specific first person shooters, like I played so much. I played the campaign Agent Under Fire. I don't know how many times. Um, it was very cool, cool story. Um, it didn't have Pierce Brosnan's likeness. That didn't come till Nightfire. But it was one of my favorite, absolute favorite uh, shooters um, and Bond games. It still is. I love that game. So I would love to see all those back. Just to zoom out slightly to kind of look at your whole gaming life from from space or something or from heaven. I don't quite, it was quite, <laughs> Ill, quite ill-defined. Um, but which, which, which game, like over the course of your life, do you think you've um, put the most hours into? Yeah, I have several. Most of the Assassin's Creed games, there was a time where... Assassin's Creed was probably my favorite franchise. I loved all the historical, you know, deep dives into all these different eras. Um, So I've played, like, I want to say I've 100 percented most of them of the old ones, like probably up until Origins, which, you know, if you know, that was like the big, you know, turning point where it became more RPG light and they started introducing all these different mechanics and the combat changed. And those games are just massive. Like, I've never 100 percented any of those, like Origins, Odyssey and Valhalla, which I love. I love the art style. I love the story. I love the setting, but I do not have time to play. I, 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 must, <laughs> I must have sank over 100 hours into just trying to beat the full story campaign. And it's one of those games that just refuses to end. And that's a. I think that's true of a lot of open world stuff now. Um, one of my big complaints um, is that, you know, it's like a second job to play any of these things. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So Assassin's Creed, um, Skyrim, which is just such a pleasure. Like I've been playing Skyrim for years since I still turn it on because that is a game that you can just find on every console ever because they just keep, it's like Doom, right? Like you can play it on a microwave, I'm pretty sure. Um, like a microwave, you've seen that, right? Like the microwave yeah. um, LED or whatever it is. So Skyrim for sure. Uh, the Mass Effect trilogy, spent tons of time in that in college. Um, Halo 2 and 3, so much Halo 2 and 3 in high school. And then Rogue Choice, uh, Overcooked, nice it's a game that um me and my fiance play quite a bit and it's sort of she wasn't really raised a gamer so she's sort of discovered things that she likes over the years and over is absolutely one of them 
and we love that game. So we'll just go in like, you know, they have the story campaign, but they also have, you know, all these other challenges and all these different things you can do multiplayer. Um, we love that game. So I've, I've spent a lot of time playing Overcooked, my favorite. I love that game. Same, same, very similar as well. I play it with my wife and it's perfect because like it's fun but you also you know you start bickering with each other and then start you know laughing at the kind of the stupidity of like <laughs> throw me a piece of bread for god's sake like <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah the convers like the conversation while playing i want to record myself one day because i'm sure it's ridiculous where's the cheese just <laughs> yelling at each other yeah we get we get a little aggro i'm not gonna lie like it's not all you know we get a little aggro with each other when we're just not you know executing the line correctly i don't know if you watch the bear um but it sort of becomes like that like very hectic and chaotic but we love that game yeah definitely and in terms of kind of games throughout your life is there a game that you think has had like the most profound impact on you and you can kind of interpret that the way whichever way you please uh yeah so for me um i've always like the thing that i most care about in a game is the storytelling and i told you like i grew up my first couple of years as a gamer were very much about sports games. So it was just like the competitive angle. And like, I know there's a story in that, right? Like every game is sort of its own story, but it wasn't until I played probably 2003 Knights of the Old Republic. Um, Cause I hadn't really played RPGs until then. Like I hadn't really spent much time playing any of these things where I realized, you know, Oh wow. Like you can tell a story and you can really care about these characters and you can really be taken on a journey with 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 this medium, um, you know. And I think that for a very long time, I mean, the early day of games, like it, a, it wasn't really like that, and b, like the stories are very simple, um, and c, they weren't taken seriously. So, like, I don't think as much attention was put into them. But like Bioware at that time, right? Like they were amazing. Like Obsidian, amazing. Bethesda's always been amazing. Um, so discovering that allowed me to then discover all these other studios. So like Knights of the Republic one with Bioware, and Knights of the Republic two discovering my other favorite studio obsidian you know what i mean so for me it was like the storytelling of that um then later on dead space which i consider to be a perfect game you know the environments of storytelling in that is amazing you know the ambiance they set the way that they can scare you by not scaring you at all like there's just one scene i always think about with dead space where they fake you out you're like walking down the hallway and they turn off the light and you're like oh no something terrible is going to happen i'm a big scaredy cat like, I love playing these games, but, like, I'm very easy to scare in a video game. They turn off the light, and they turn it back on, and then nothing happens. But you've, like, had a, like, you know, heart palpitations that entire time. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> um, virtual games just did it differently, man. Like, I know, like, there's tons of Resident Evil and Silent Hill inspiration there. Alien, obviously, but love that game. And then The Last of Us was where I think it brought so much respect, like, respectability to the medium, like, Obviously, there's always been tons of amazing games that, you know, are, they're all art. They should all be considered art. It was really the one where I think a lot of the people in the mainstream that were maybe not into the hobby yet. It's hard. You can't even call gaming a hobby anymore, right? It's just part of life. It's the, I think it's the most, probably the most popular form of like entertainment medium there is in the world. But I think that took a while and Last of Us really helped. So those games. And then if I could mention very quickly the pandemic, my pandemic coping game was Death Stranding, um, which I'm sure is an answer that a lot of people would have because um, it was like sort of like that connection thing. And, uh, you know, it was, it's, it's just one of those like very therapeutic games to me. Um, so those probably be like the ones that felt really important to me at the time and still do. And you kind of hinted at this earlier. 
and I think I know what the answer is, but is there a, a game or like a genre of games that you really have struggled to master or to get into at any point? Oh man. Okay. My deepest, darkest secret. So it, I don't want to, I don't want to like blow a games journalist secret here, but I'm going to say it. Um, the myth that games journalists are all are good at every kind of game is such a lie. Like there's some <laughs> ge- types of games that I'm so terrible at. Um, one of them is platformers, just awful, awful at platformers. Like, um, you know, it'll take me probably twice as long for me to finish the Fallen Order level than it takes you. It's just my brain does not work this way to find the next platform I have to jump onto. Um, so even like something like Doom Eternal, which brought a lot of platformer qualities into that framework, uh, really struggled with that. Like I said, I wasn't a Nintendo kid, and I think a lot of the big platformers were on Nintendo, obviously the Mario games and and all that kind of stuff, but I wasn't playing that. Um, so yeah, not good at platformers, not great at puzzle games. Like I'm a little better at puzzle games, but not great. Fair, fair. How did you first kind of come towards gaming from like a professional way? When did you start like writing about games and or did it go through like movies and stuff first? Uh, I did not know I was going to be an entertainment journalist. I was very much sort of in the school. I, I mean, I went to school for um, journalism and uh, creative writing. So I never I never planned to make any money, basically, in my life. <laughs> but yeah, it was just sort of one of those things that happened like by like it just happened by happenstance. One of my friends in college actually wrote for Den of Geek and introduced me to the game center at the time. I had never written a single piece of games journalism ever. Like I grew up reading IGN. I loved IGN very much. I watched all their videos, um, you know, all of their reporting. Like, you know, I spent a lot of time reading io9 back in like the Annalee Newitz, Charlie Jane Anders, and like James Whitbrook now still does an amazing job over there. Uh, I really respect that blog. And it was like sort of the blog that made me realize like nerd journalism, the things that I love are things that people can cover, but that wasn't sort of my mindset back in the day. Um, you know, I'd interned at um, the New York Times. I interned at a Condé Nast magazine. So very much my idea was I'm going to write like profiles and hard news. It just happened like my senior year of college, I needed a job and it's sort of just, I started freelancing for Den of Geek and here we are over a decade later. And you've seen off every rival and risen to the top. (laughs) Oh boy. Oh boy, Rob. Yeah. So, so that's really how it happened. It happened by accident, really ebay motors is here for the ride with over 122 million parts you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly brake kits led headlights bumpers whatever your baby needs ebay motors has it and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time plus at these prices you're burning rubber not cash keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com Eligible items only, exclusions apply. I'm aware we've been talking for a little while. Obviously, we touched on Star Wars earlier and then we talked about some other things that weren't Star Wars, which is quite rare for us. We talk about football quite a lot. Um, (laughs) But but to bring it back to Star Wars, why do you think Star Wars lends itself quite so well to gaming? Because there's lots of movie franchises that have been, you know, massive over the years but i don't feel like except maybe marvel and dc i don't think there's anywhere it fits quite so well as it does with star wars one of the things that is very much in star wars dna is visual innovation right how do we 
push what we can do on screen to the limit and then surpass that and exceed the expectations of the audience. And that's very much what the very best video games try to do, right? Like, the, how do we up the presentation? How do we go from, you know, Pac-Man to something like The Last of Us, right? Like, it's very much that progression of we need to top ourselves, you know? And there's a lot of franchising just like there is in movies and TV now. But the very best games we always remember are the ones that have, you know, pushed the envelope in some way, visually or storytelling-wise. Um, so that's very much in the DNA of Star Wars. So I think that just fits from from a very foundational point of view. But also, Star Wars very much has become sort of, you get this, it, everyone says this, right? You've heard, you know, John Favreau and, and Dave Filoni say this tons, like playing in this sandbox with your toys. And that's basically what video games are, right? Playing with your toys, playing with all these different toys, except you get to be the actual toy, you know? So I think that quality too really lends itself to video games. And then obviously all the cool action, all the cool vehicles, like I mentioned, flying an X-Wing for the very first time and be, be, being able to do that trench run or, you know, that maw level, you know, where you're trying to help the prisoners escape that Imperial prison camp, all that stuff, I think just like lends itself, you know, Star Wars was created to be, you know, a merchandising juggernaut and video games are just another part of that, really. I don't know if Lucas is thinking that far ahead. Obviously, he like established Lucasfilm Games. So he was thinking about video games even back then, right? So I just think the two go hand in hand just from, you know, existing, like the foundational basic DNA. I believe you've come armed with your top five best Star Wars games. Should we do that? Hit me with the, with the list. Okay. In no particular order. I've not ranked these. I've just, these are my five. Really, it's six. I cheated a little bit. Um, but how can you not? <sighs> Fine. Um, Knights, of the, Knights of the Old Republic 1 and 2. I already mentioned why I love those games, storytelling-wise, the settings, this different take on the Jedi as more like little tribes, you know, all the Jedi Lord added, like, you know, Jedi Guardian and Jedi Sentinel, like how every lightsaber color meant a specific type of Jedi and a specific type of ethos and philosophy. I love lore and, you know, anything that is world-building which, you know, that's George Lucas's main thing. Like, I wouldn't say he's a master of, like, dialogue, but he is a master <laughs> of getting these toys to do interesting things and expand on the backstories of those things. So very much Knights of the Republic, because I grew up loving Tales of the Jedi comics and all that. So that all that stuff just connected for me. Republic Commando, a great first-person shooter. Um, Squad-based, you were able to sort of... It, you know, it wasn't extensive, but you did have, like, a basic group of commands you could give your different squad members this is really dark clone war story that really you know you see it you watch attack of the clones and you're like man i really wonder you know what their stories are about like these cool the good stormtroopers i guess what's their deal and republic commando really takes you in this is before like i'm aging myself this is before the clone wars existed like there was no clone wars i'm pretty sure when republic commando came out and it was like sort of the first taste of that and i mean the star wars republic comics over at dark horse we're doing that too, but, but yeah, that game, Rogue Squadron, obviously, I already went long on Rogue Squadron, so I won't do that now. Jedi Knight 2, Jedi Outcast. So oh, we're talking yeah. about like the Dark Forces, Kyle Katarn and Jan Ors. You know, Kyle has this sort of like, will they, won't they, with whether he wants to become a Jedi or not for a long time. Like he, he I believe his story is that he's a rebel spy who like infiltrates the Empire but then some rogue Jedi kills his dad and it becomes this whole mess. 
but I really didn't get into any of those. I didn't get into that whole series until Jedi Knight 2. So I was a little confused, actually, because it all connects all the way back to Darth Vader. I was like, what is happening here? What is the Valley of the Jedi? But third person, you know, it was one of those early games that got lightsaber combat right, because, you know, Knights of the Republic was turn-based. This was very different. That was my first experience with turn-based combat, too, I should say, about Knights of the Republic. It was very different to be able to do it sort of in real time. It had a really cool multiplayer mode. If you remember, you could do this mode where it was you versus, like, I, I want to say it was, like, 100 people on a big map. Sick. Like, 50? I don't know how many people it was. Um, and it had all these cheat codes. So I would do this cheat code. I remember the cheat code was Bubble, and it just gave you, like, invincibility. You couldn't die. So I would just spend, it like, hours just wrecking all the other characters in this game, playing just, like, solo multiplayer because I didn't have, you know... Sometimes I would play co-op with, with a friend, like a split screen, but most of the time. So that I love that. And then Force Unleashed, actually, is another one I, I really love. Just for the ways it sort of wanted to extend what you understood about the Force by having this guy pull down a Star Destroyer and, you know, just taking Force powers to the extreme. And I know that probably bothered George Lucas, the way that it sort of made the Force a little bit cheesier. You know, because you could do all these crazy things. But you know what? All that stuff is back. Like, Darth Vader just pulled down a Rebel Cruiser on Obi-Wan. Like, that's all Force Unleashed. And I'm sure that was in the books beforehand, but... Like, uh, isn't it Rey in one of the sequel films as well as, like, pulling a shuttle back before it can... Uh... Right. And then she thinks Chewbacca's died. Yeah. 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 Starkiller did it first. <laughs> Starkiller was so legit, man. Like, Sam Witwer, like, I still have so much, like, goodwill for him. Mainly based on that game. Obviously, he's done loads of stuff, but... He was amazing in that. And he's one of those, like um, Cameron Monaghan as um, Cal Kestis, where I'm like, I bet they deliberately made the character look exactly like the guy, in ca- just in case there was ever a chance they would, they'd get a whiff of like putting him in live action somewhere. Is that something you'd want to see, like a bit more of like, and now this character's going to show up in something? Because like, every time there's like a Mandoverse rumor of who's going to show up, it's like Cal Kestis comes up every time. Do, do you want that or do you kind of want to keep it in its lane? I mean, you hit the nail on the head, right? I think anytime, and you know, I'm super into following all the trends and all the search and all that, just like because of my job. Um, so the thing that I always see is people asking for Cal Kestis and always asking for Starkiller. More than I think any other character I ever see, they're always the, the expanded universe characters people you know and they had that sort of teaser in andor where people like oh they're sort of teasing star killer in that because they have his armor from that one dlc oh yeah yeah but i don't know like i feel like it would probably pull me out i get again like i get that sort of like synergy of this makes sense and you know it's cool to see things that you love appear in other things but i don't know like i just wish star wars would sort of come off it a little bit and just you know do a cool story, right? Like, because the story of Mandalorian is very much half a story, but then half, you know, what's the cameo this week? What's the Easter egg this week? But I would sort of just love new characters. It's like everything has its opportunity to introduce, like, a new cool thing rather than pulling something existing out of the box. You can put something in the toy box yourself. Yeah, exactly. Cal's cool. And I get, I'll, I, I'm sure I would be very excited to see that character in any of the live action things or you know the animated things it's not really what i think about when i'm watching star wars it's very much you know what cool thing like very you know baby yoda is one of the greatest additions to the star wars cast in you know what two decades besides like ahsoka but like i also just love frog lady <laughs> right like frog lady's cool and she was fun 
Um, and it's just like a fun little addition. Like I love stuff like that. Same, same. And uh, before I forget, maybe this is a stupid question. Who do you think would win in a fight between Cal Kestis and Starkiller? Starkiller. No competition. <laughs> Star Killer just shreds. <laughs> yeah, come on. Come on. Baby face Cal Kestis. I mean, I haven't played, again, I haven't played Survivor. And I know he gets a little grittier in that one. He grows a beard. Um, which is cool, you know. He's he's a man now, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. There's no competition. Star Killer for sure. Fair, correct answer. I think. On the flip side of this, I feel like I think we've sent like some uh, mock-ups off of social back and forth a bit. I feel like the Mandalorian itself feels very video gamey because he's always got a main quest, but he's going off on all these side missions on the way there and stuff. But I feel like you could make an amazing game of the Mandalorian, but I'm not sure if I'd rather that or if they just made a, a cool game that isn't like a adaptation of a tv show i mean yeah it's such a no-brainer make the bounty hunter game there was a star wars bounty hunter game i never played it but it was Django fett i believe it's just such a no-brainer to do that right like it would just make so much sense and you know people make fun of the mandalorian because it's very much set up like a video game where every episode he gets his mission from an npc and then he goes (laughs) and does the side quest before he can go back to the main mission um so it's very much set up that way like it would translate really well Give me, you know, Hitman style, obviously less subtle because Mando doesn't roll that way, but Hitman style, couple different locations, couple different targets, 15 levels, um, you know. I also just miss when games used to be, you know, the halo of like, hey, you get 12 levels, you have to do these 12 levels and the game is over. You know, that beautiful, perfect 10 to 15 hour experience that doesn't really exist anymore when it's like a AAA game. Um, and I think Mando would really be perfect for that sort of treatment. In terms of stuff that is coming up, uh, obviously we've got Star Wars Outlaws. How are you feeling about that? How are you feeling about you know the future of, of Star Wars games at the moment? I'm feeling really good. If any of these games come out, like I think Outlaws is probably <laughs> actually a thing that's going to happen because they've put tons of marketing behind it at this point. I think they've done demos. Where they're really putting marketing muscle behind this title. And, you know, Ubisoft Massive tends to deliver. So I'm very hopeful about that game, obviously set between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, which I think is exciting, changing up the setting a little bit. Um, I think the comics are there right now, so it makes sense to have games do that right now, too. I think it's the first proper open world Star Wars game. I know they've been sort of flirting with it for a long time and, you know, full in order. And I believe Survivor is also semi-open world, right? Like it isn't completely. Yeah, like a couple of the planets are pretty big kind of open worldy type places. But then some of them, like you go to Coruscant at one point and that's more of just like a linear level. And then like kind of it ends with a few linear levels, but then you can go to Jeddah and you can go to Kobo, which are like open worlds basically. So I find it slightly incongruous, whatever that word is, that they're kind of saying uh, Outlaws is the first open world game. So I'm like, I'm playing one right now. As much as they're different planets, they're, they're pretty, it's pretty open. Yeah, it's like you see the seamlessness of it, right? Because you see that demo they did for whatever press conference it was for. But you see, you know, Kay Vess, who's the new protagonist of this game, do that little heist and then seamlessly jump on the speeder bike and speed off into the desert into this next thing and then get in trouble with an Imperial, I guess, and then have to run off and get on the ship and seamless, almost seamlessly launch into the space combat portion of it. And, you know, the technical aspect of this behind all that that entire sequence, you know, that took a long time to build that and to design that. You know, we haven't seen a Star Wars game like that, I don't think. Um, so I'm very excited about that aspect of it. And also from a lower perspective, it brings back, you know, Akiva, Tatooine, Kajimi, which was in The Rise of Skywalker. 
So it's bringing back a couple settings. Again, it all connects, it all rhymes. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm a big fan of the Division games. Um, spent a lot of time with the first one. Not as much time with the second ones, but I know they're a great studio, and I think they'll they'll deliver. I agree with you, because like, that one feels like it's a sure thing. It's going to come out. They wouldn't be demoing it and showing all this gameplay of it if it was... Yeah. If there was any chance it wasn't. But I'm looking I've got a few of the other ones written down as like the one that Amy Hennig's making, the one that Quantic Dream's making, Hunters, which felt like it was quite soon. So there's a few other ones where it's like I'm not quite sure if these will actually happen or if they might not happen like for years. So the Amy Hennig feels, you know, she's doing it for Skydance, I believe. She's leading a team there. Feels super cathartic because I mean, how much did you hear about Project Ragtag? over at Visceral for such a long time when EA had, you know, the exclusive rights. Jason Schreier, who who I, I love reading his stuff, did this so in-depth investigation of what happened. And, you know, obviously it was a mess um, from all sides, um, an absolute mess. But, you know, to see that, you know, she's getting a second chance. And she made the Uncharted games. She's brilliant. Her, you know, the teams that she's led have done amazing things. Uh, so I'm very excited about it. I don't think we know any details about it besides, I, is it an action adventure? I don't even know if we know that. Yeah, I assume it is. I can't remember. I can't remember even seeing like a concept art for it. I've just got the ragtag stuff in my head. And I thought that sounds like a cool game, but we will never, ever, ever get it now. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of Outlaws, right? It's a little bit of Outlaws. I mean, Outlaws is going in its own direction, but it was very much post, you know, post A New Hope. The Empire is, you know, cracking down on criminals and trying to tighten their grip on the outer rim and you have this team of of you know scoundrels trying to pull off this massive heist and it feels a little bit like what outlaws is right and i know that there's a sort of a heist element to survivor to jedi survivor um so they've played with that it's sort of bled into other things but it's it'll be nice to see you know her and her team actually get to to make that game or a, a game yeah, definitely. It must be so annoying when you spend like years of your life like pouring all your time and effort into something and then like it ends up as a Jason Schreier article rather than a, a box on the shelf. You never want to end up as a Jason Schreier article. That's that's the moral of the story. <laughs> I try my very hardest to never end up as a Jason Schreier article. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a rule to live by. Maybe the next most possible to happen one is the quantic dream one but it's gone a bit quiet on that i think they showed like concept art for that right but they haven't shown they showed it they had they... A, an amazing trailer an amazing uh, trailer yeah, yeah, it was it's like all quite vibey trailer. it's all conceptual it doesn't actually tell you anything there's like a new alien species in it that sort of gives off like sci-fi horror vibes it's set during the high republic era apparently there is like concept art of like or it's it's in the trailer of Yoda in the Jedi temple looking out at Coruscant. There's a shot like that, but it's all conceptual stuff, right? Like it's probably them trying to pull in, you know, designers and trying to recruit. So they sort of have to start showing off like what their next project is. So I think it, that was way more about recruitment than it was any actual marketing. Like I doubt any of that stuff is, is very telling of what that game will be. It's apparently an action adventure, um, which is cool. It's so out of Quantic Dream's comfort zone, which I'm excited about. But it will be very interesting to see, you know, how it goes with that departure. And there have been, you know, rumors and reports. Um, I believe a Jason Schreier article <laughs> about <laughs> it, actually. Um, I think there's been, a, I think there's been um, something about it. But I think that game's so far off. 
if if it comes out. I'm putting that in my if it comes out category, honestly. We have a couple of other respawn ones. I don't think they've announced Jedi Fallen Order 3 or whatever it would be called. But um, I know they're, they're working on a few things. And they've got a lot of goodwill now. I kind of just trust them to, to put out what they want to put out. I'm sure it'll be Yeah, great. yeah, they're great. Um, and I know they have that first-person shooter they've been talking about for a long time. I think they also are working on a strategy game with another studio oh, yeah. that I can't think of right now. Um, so they're trying different genres. It's just so nice to see Star Wars, the Star Wars license being used in different ways across the video game landscape, not just, you know, the thing that we assume sells, like the first-person shooter with Battlefront and then the action-adventure. Like, it's very nice to see that not everything maybe will have live service, that some things will just be free to be what it is. Um, so I'm very excited for all these different um takes on it but i believe respawn's working on several of them yeah um and like in terms of the first person shooter apex legends great titanfall great you know if there's one thing i trust them with is first person shooters so i'm hoping they'll do something really great there hello again i'm just taking a quick break from the episode to tell you about the radiotimes.com gaming newsletter stuffed with all the latest news reviews and explainers this free weekly email will really help you stay ahead of the game it'll arrive in your inbox every wednesday highlighting all the releases you need to know about along with my genuine recommendations so if you're enjoying this podcast head over to radiotimes.com slash gaming newsletter to hear more from me every week and now back to the episode I'm going to hit you with some quick fire questions at this point. Let's go. Some of these you've kind of hinted at along the way, but okay, let's just do it. Console or PC? Console, all the way. Solo or multiplayer? Preference is solo. I don't have as much time anymore, so it's much easier for me to jump into a a game of Halo multiplayer and play that or, you know, Fortnite. So probably multiplayer now, but originally probably way more solo. Yeah. Xbox or PlayStation? Xbox. Gaming chair? I can see you're sat on one right now, or playing on the sofa. Gaming chair. Uh, well, no, because I'm a console gamer. I like playing on you know my big screen TV, so probably a couch gamer. But I have this gaming chair that is probably the most comfortable chair I've ever sat in. Me and you are both in the category of people who have like have a gaming chair as your work chair. <laughs> yeah, and don't actually play anything on it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Nice. Uh, I mean, this is more of like a back in the 90s kind of question, but Nintendo or Sega? I was a Sega kid, but I would say now, if I could do it all over again, I'd probably be a Nintendo kid. The diversity of titles, I think, were was it was more expensive and had all these different experiences that maybe Sega didn't quite have. Like it had a, Sega had a lot of great stuff too, but it was very much sports, beat-em-ups, first-person shooters, or shooters in general with, you know, all the, all the, all the space combat games. Um, I'm probably a Nintendo kid now. Playing with headphones on or having the sound through the through the speakers? I'm much more of a multiplayer gamer now, so definitely headphones. You need headset. It's very much how I play. Um, and I play late at night, um, so I don't want to wake anyone up. So I usually just run the audio through my headset, You know, even when I'm playing on my couch. So definitely headphones. So hypothetically, you've got a whole evening ahead of you tonight. To, to play games congratulations that's a joke because i do not i do not yeah i do not but i'll pretend for you yeah uh, so say you do have this mythical free evening tonight what what game are you rushing to play tonight right now you've kind of got half finished at the moment yeah, yeah. there's a game i really want to play right now actually and it's going back to halo infinite because it just released that squad battles mode which is like an 8v8 big team battle sort of classic setup from halo 2 halo 3 they brought back all these classic maps 
I know that 343 has stumbled with this game, but I'm very much a sucker for any Halo experience. So uh, I, I tend to go back whenever they launch something cool and they have some event right now, but very much want to try uh, all these classic maps. So that's that's genuinely, if I had time, that's what I would be playing tonight, just rushing to play that. I hope you, I hope you find time. As soon as you mentioned Halo Infinite, I pictured, what was the meme? Was it Craig that he was there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, listen, they've gotten a beating. Um, and obviously there's things that I think that are big flaws of, of that entire launch and that experience. Um, but the one thing I will say is, like, it's clear that team loves Halo. Um, whatever resource issues they've had or whatever behind-the-scenes drama or whatever, it's very clear they really respect that universe and really respect the legacy of of that experience and the history, and they keep bringing back, and I'll, you know, bringing in the fans to make to remake all these old maps and you know there's valhalla now from halo 3 um they brought back rat's nest uh for squad battles there's just tons of cool stuff that you can do right now in that game it just doesn't come fast enough battle royale games sort of changed all that you have to be a lot quicker with with new content releases yeah and you don't necessarily get much of a second chance like once if people bounce off they're probably not coming back sadly well rob there's too much to play right like yeah. I, i've spent so much time talking about triple a games but i haven't even mentioned any indies right like braid and spelunky and i mean i mentioned overcooked uh, there's tons of indie stuff there's too much to play and so much of it feels like a second job you can't afford to do more than one impression you have to get it right um, and that's easier said than done, right? Like I'm not in game design, so it's just I know it's tough, but you know I, I have a soft spot for Halo, so I always go back eventually. So you've got this mythical evening at home. <laughs> uh, you're you're playing you're playing Halo tonight. What are your kind of go to like snacks, drinks, foods you want to surround yourself with for this for this gaming session? Sour cream and onion ridges, a must. I thought you were about to say Pringles then. I got quite excited. Oh, yeah, I know your I know your love of Pringles. No, I'm more of a Ridges Lay's kind of guy. Not so much chips in a can, but, you know, nothing but respect for Pringles. Nothing but respect. But um, Thank you. Probably, um, I try to stay away from soda as much as I can now. Once you hit, you know, you're in your 30s, you have to sort of start caring about what you eat. Um, and what you drink and all that. And so I try to stay away from soda, but Coca-Cola is my go-to. Um, I have a friend who's insane and drinks Mountain Dew Code Red, which I don't know if you've ever had that. It's like the sugariest drink ever made in the history of humanity. <laughs> Sounds terrifying. Yeah. I mean, have you ever had Mountain Dew? Yeah, I've had I've had the normal. What is it? Is it green, the normal one? Yeah, radioactive yellow green. <laughs> yeah. If, I'm, if I want to eat something, obviously pizza. Um, it's probably the easiest thing to eat while you're gaming. Although your like controller will get greasy, so maybe not. But yeah, I'm, I'm not like a, I'm not a huge snacker when I play. Actually, like I find myself very into the game. Like I usually take a break and we'll eat something. But you know, some people are just like you know munching on whatever while they're playing. But I'm not a big like I find myself too focused on what I'm doing. Um, I can't pay attention to that many things at once. Fair, that is fair. If you only had one more life in in game, you could only play one more game for the rest of your days and that was the one you were stuck with what game would you choose and why it's not a star wars game <gasps> not a star wars game actually yeah twist it's not a star wars game it would probably be an an elder scrolls game It'd probably be skyrim because i don't know you can play a thousand hours of skyrim and somehow not have done everything or finished the game it's like one of those games that never ends and i just very much love that world 
um, and that universe and all the different characters, all the different places you can go to. I find myself returning to Elder Scrolls Online around June every year when they launch their new DLC. It's like the one MMO I've ever really been into because it's one. It's the one that you can sort of play solo and just play it like it's Skyrim. So I tend to go back to that. So it'd probably be something Elder Scrolls just because I, I absolutely love that universe. So, But really anything by Bethesda, anything by you know, Obsidian, I'd play The Outer Worlds. It's much shorter, but I'd play something by Obsidian, anything by Bioware, you know, from back in the day. It would be an RPG for sure. Nice. Well, thank you for taking the time to come and chat to us. Those are some, uh, some lovely, well well thought out, well written down uh, <laughs> answers. I respect, I respect the amount of research that you put in. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time. Absolutely, Rob. It was such a pleasure. I hope we can do this again. Thank you for listening to One More Life. For more from us, head over to radiotimes.com slash gaming. There you'll find all the latest news, reviews and guides that you need to know about. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and leave a review on your podcast app of choice. We'll be back on this feed soon with some more gaming goodness. And until then, happy playing.